You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to my show. This is Interview with a Comic Book Nerd. I am your host, Richard Cardenas. Welcome, welcome. I hope you guys are all doing well this week. I am, I'm doing kind of great. Um, I mean, nothing special, really, but, you know, I'm alive. I'm kicking. I'm doing things. We're here. You know, it's great stuff. Anyway, uh, it is the top of the show, so you know that that means that I'm going to be recapping a comic book that I've read this week that is really standing out to me. And this week it is Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. This is number three. This is the uh, Rebirth series of Birds of Prey. Uh, okay, so as always, the writers are Julia and Shauna Benson. This is illustrated by Claire Rowe and, forgive me, gonna fuck up a name, uh, Roge Antonio? Uh, Rohe? Roje? Roge? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, you guys. Uh, colors by Alan Pasalacqua and letters by Darren Bennett. All right, so this issue... Um, well, I guess I don't remember if I've actually re- read any of the past ones with you guys before, but just a quick recap. We've got the Birds of Prey, which is Batgirl, Huntress, and Dinah, and they are trying to catch a, a villain or some kind of, I don't know, criminal who is taking up the name of Oracle, which is Batgirl's old alias when she had um, she wasn't able to walk because of the Joker. And... So this person is now taking up her name and they're committing crimes with them or with it. And Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, she is not happy about that. It's very personal for her uh, to her. So she's trying to, like, find out who this is. And Huntress is um, also trying to track down a bunch of mob bosses because they've killed an entire family. And I'm guessing, if I know my Huntress correctly that it was her family that they killed and so she's trying to get revenge and then black canary dinah lance or dinah uh drake in this one sorry dinah drake is uh just hanging hanging around you know tagging along because she's best friends with uh barbara batgirl and they're always a team so anyway uh this issue we open up and dinah's a little girl and it's at night and she's in a foster home and she's kind of talking to herself, talking to her mom-ish um, in her head. And it's her birthday, and she's, you know, saying that, you know, her mom isn't there again. It's another year where her mom's not there. And her fa- and uh, she's basically like, it's my birthday. You're not here again. I already said that. Um, so her dad comes in, or sorry, her foster dad comes in and drags her to her bedroom and is like, you need to go to sleep. Um, and she basically decides that she's going to run away because she can't be there anymore. She doesn't like the environment. It's not healthy for her. And uh, apparently he's kind of like abusive and stuff. And so she decides that she's going to run away. And she tells her foster brother, like, I've got to go. If I stay, I am going to kill him. And so she leaves. And so then that's the past. Uh, We cut back to the present and the team is at Barbara's place, uh, Batgirl. They're at her place and they're waiting for a hard drive to be decrypted because they're looking for a person who has, um, like I said, taken up the name of Oracle. And um, they find out that the next target is a family at a restaurant. So they basically head out and then we do another cut back to Dinah as a kid. And she's training with uh, her sensei and he tells her that Dinah in Hebrew means she who judges and that she has to be careful and considerate when fighting. And he ends the lesson and says that, you know, they're going to continue, continue the next day. She's left alone and she starts talking to herself again in the mirror where she's like talking to her mom in her head. And um, she she's made up a story in her head that her mom is like on some kind of secret mission. And that's why she had to give up Dinah. And uh, Dinah wants to be strong like the mother that, you know, she doesn't actually know, but uh, she wants to be strong like her mother and so that she could go back to the foster home and rescue her foster brother. And so she starts crying and the sensei sees the whole thing. And, you know, it's kind of a sad moment. Uh, we cut back to the present and the team arrives at the restaurant and Batgirl just straight up Kool-Aid mans into the restaurant like, no consideration for the fact that there's a door in the restaurant. She's just like 
barrels through the the, the window of the restaurant, uh, and she. Um, it turns out that the whole killing the family thing was a trick. It's not true. The Oracle kind of like planted fake information in the hard drive and she uh Batgirl figures out that Oracle is actually after their safe house which is where Commissioner Gordon is being held right now and Commissioner Gordon is Batgirl's dad so we cut to the safe house and there's a team of like these snake villains that uh barge in and they you know taken out the guards that are around the, the safe house and they go in and they barge in on the commissioner and the birds of prey the team arrives and they start you know kicking some ass uh, one of the villains goes after Commissioner Gordon and Huntress uh, shoots him with an arrow and in the back. And Batgirl's like really pissed off and she's, you know, arguing with her about, you know, they don't kill. They're not supposed to kill. And she's like going off on Huntress and Huntress is like, hey, I saved the commissioner. So if you can't handle the way I do things, then I'm going to work alone. Like I can't do this. And Batgirl realizing that, oh, yeah, shit, she did save my father, uh, she starts, you know, you can see that she feels kind of dumb about it and because she's happy that her father is saved. Uh, we then cut back to Dinah as a kid again, and she it's her birthday. I think she's turning 16 or something. And her sensei presents her with a, with a black belt for her birthday, and he says how proud he is of her, that she's learned to control her pain without letting go of it. Uh, it's a nice moment between them. Um, she ends up going to the mirror and she talks to her mom again and she she's ready to let go of the idea that her mom is you know this person that she's made up and she's just ready to let go of the idea of her mom in general and she basically says her goodbye to her and she lets out this scream which i i think we're supposed to assume is the first time she uses her sonic scream and basically breaks the mirror and her uh Sensei comes in, he's like, whoa, what happened? Um, and she tells him, like, I let go of the pain, but I got something else in return. Uh, which I think is supposed to be, like, her her own power, like, not her sonic scream, but just, like, the power that she has within her, which is nice. Uh, we cut back to the present, and Black Canary, Dinah, and Batgirl are trying to convince Huntress to stay on the team. They kind of explain to her... That, you know, their mothers left them when they were young and they've become a family and that, you know, they want her to basically join their family. And Huntress says the bitchiest thing ever. Like she goes, it's, she says, sounds like you two are used to being left behind and rides off on her motorcycle. And that moment kind of deserves a big fuck. Like <laughs> that was so shady. That shady bitch hits low. And I kind of love her. <laughs> so um, then we cut back to the snake villains and it turns out they took one of the guys that was with the commissioner and Oracle shows up and she's also known as Finice, which is, um, I think they say Italian. I could be wrong about that, but it, it's another language. It means Phoenix. Um, but anyway, uh, she kind of reveals herself to the guy that they've captured and he knows who she is. And I think it's implied that they were probably once upon a time lovers. And that's how it is. So um, I didn't really go too much into the humor of the book at all, but this series is actually really, really funny. I'm really loving it. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, like definitely pick it up because like I said, I left out a lot of the humor. And I think that if you read it for yourself, then you'll be able to definitely catch up on or catch a lot of that humor. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the book, but I'm also going to talk a little bit about, uh, Wonder Woman, um, that came out this past weekend. And if you are one of the very few who haven't seen <laughs> Wonder Woman, I'm going to try to review the film without going too much into spoilers. Uh, but if there's a spoiler, I'll warn you and then you can like skip ahead a little bit. So Wonder Woman. Okay. So this is a definitely a feminist story. Um, there were definite themes of the whole nevertheless she persisted kind of thing, but I don't think that they beat us over the head with it. And I really like that. Um, the movie, you know, never said men are the bad guys or anything like that. So, uh, you know, for one, one of the villains is a female and she's kind of this sadistic uh, villain, kind of like the male villain in it. But you could also argue that her reasons kind of are purely scientific and that she wasn't really gaining any kind of like pleasure out of harming people, but that she was gaining pleasure out of seeing her, her experiments succeed. And 
I think that in itself is kind of quite dangerous when put in the wrong hands, which was her, Dr. Poison, is who I'm referring to. Um, so that was kind of really neat to see. They didn't really, uh, you know, explain who she was too much or anything, but I think the little that we did get of her, uh, that's what I got out of it anyway. Um, so, yeah, what I also liked about the film was that she wasn't really treated like she wasn't equal to men. I think that a lot of the situations where she would show up and it wasn't very typical for a woman to be there or like not known at all. For like example, she goes into this meeting where it's a bunch of men discussing the war and talking about possibly having a peace treaty and stuff like that. Uh, she goes in and the men look at her a little confused. They're not looking at her in a way of, you're a woman and you shouldn't be in here. But they're looking at her as this like, huh, that's interesting. We've never had a woman in here before. And they aren't like disrespectful to her or anything. They're not like, get out of here, you, know, you lady. <laughs> you know, they, they don't do that, which I think is really, really great. It's just something that they hadn't experienced and they were a little confused about it. So I really liked that. Um, I wasn't very aggressive at all. So that was, that was really nice. Um, there is this moment in the movie where they go into this area called no man's land and Steve Trevor, the guy she's, you know, in love with kind of explains to her. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> Maybe just skip ahead a few minutes. But anyway, uh, Steve Trevor uh, explains to her that, you know, this is no man's land and she's kind of distraught by it. Like she sees that there are people kind of suffering and she's like, we have to go in there and, you know, help all the people on the other side. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like we've been here for a year and we've barely moved an inch. There's no way we're getting through. And she's kind of like, mm, that's not my jam. Like, I'm going to go in there and, and do something about it. And what's really great about that is that she, by her doing that and kind of not settling for what the norm is, like her whole thing is that she wants to protect people. She wants to protect humanity. And she does this all through love. And so she's like, I can't just sit back and and know that on the other side of this wall, there are people who are, you know, being killed and enslaved and, you know, yada, yada, all that stuff. And so she's like, I'm going in there. And what's really cool is that's the first time you see her in her entire getup, you know, her outfit, her sword, her shield, her tiara, all of it. Um, it looks really badass. And she goes out on the field and she inspires the rest of the people to kind of go out on the field and follow her. And and so that's really great. Um, I mean, you could argue that they went out there because they cared about her and they weren't really concerned about like inspiration, but I'm going to go ahead and say it was inspiration. Um, what I also liked about the movie is that they okay the amazons and they're all featured in the very beginning because eventually diana does leave diana is wonder woman diana does leave uh the island of themiscira and she you know can't come back that's them's the rules and so um we see the amazons and they're training and everything and they're very hardcore and what i liked is that we don't really see them being sexy by you know showing off little clothing or heaving breasts or anything like that but they are actually goddamn sexy and they're sexy because of how strong they are and how capable they are. And, and I felt, found that like just so amazing. Like we didn't have to rely on their feminine figures or anything like that. Like they were just being badass warriors and that in itself was amazing and sexy. Uh, so I really, really liked that. There's a, you know, great, there are great battle moments with um, Diana and the Amazons that, you know, just show them being acrobatic and agile and everything. And it's really great. They do a lot of slow-mo shots. But what's wonderful about these is that, you know, in the past, or not in the past, but, you know, there are a lot of movies that do slow-mo for, you know, it, it, it just feels too gratuitous and it just feels a little too much. And I'll just pull an example from the latest superhero movie we had, which was Guardians of the Galaxy, where they have Yondu and... Um, uh, rocket in a scene where they're murdering everyone and it's all done in slow motion and it just feels pointless and to me it does it felt like too much like why is this like why is this scene in slow motion like you're trying to make it cool and like there are other movies where the slow motion is just so pointless where like 
you know, not that I remember this specifically, but you'll have like a Wolverine jumping with his claws out towards someone and they like slow it down and pan around him and you see him just floating in the air, slow motion. Like it wasn't like that. The slow motion had a purpose and it was because the Amazons were doing incredible things. They were physically doing incredible things. They had crazy choreography on the horses where they would like fall not fall, but they would like lean down, pick up a sword and like twist over and and be back up on the horse. And they would show that in slow motion because it was so intricate and and you, they didn't want you to miss all the details. And there were lots and lots of moments like that where the slow motion was done because there was so much detail to appreciate. And I loved that. And, you know, Patty Jenkins, like, hats off to you. I knew this movie was going to be good. Typically, I don't like movies set where the setting is war, like, you know, World War One, World War Two, whatever it is. Like, I typically don't like those type of movies. Like, for instance, I don't remember Captain America, the first Avenger very well. It was so long ago. But also, I remember hating it because of the CG. Like, I just couldn't stand how fake everything looked. Um, or at least Captain America looked very, very fake. Uh, but also that it was set during war and I'm not, like I said, into war movies at all. And so this didn't feel like that. It felt like she was entering war, but she was her own part of the story and war wasn't the story. It was her story trying to save humanity. And that was really great. So yeah, I really, really like the film. I think you should all see it. It's kind of empowering, not just for women, I think, but for everyone who watched it, it was a, it felt very, very fresh because, and I think it has to do with the fact that, you know, Patty Jenkins is a female and she directed this movie through her eyes and, you know, like not everything was so sexualized and not everything was so naive. Wonder Woman was, you know, she wasn't, you know, well-educated on the modern, uh, on modern society because she was, trapped on this island for her entire life so like every little you know a watch she was impressed by she'd be like what is that maybe not impressed impressed is the wrong word but she'd be like what the heck is that so I think it's really really great um so check it out uh one thing that I'll say is kind of like what I want to see in the future uh Diana Wonder Woman is of Greek descent or whatever she's you know half god and I want them to explore that a little bit. In the movie, they did, another spoiler, uh, say that all the gods were killed off, but um, it would be great if they could at least explore some of what that is, like maybe go into that story a little bit more. Maybe some of the gods survived and Diana like runs into them or anything or something like that. Uh, One of the biggest uh, villains slash characters slash, you know, like friend, I guess, now especially. But uh, one of of the characters that that Wonder Woman comes across I think often is a character called Cheetah and I mean, her real name is Dr. Barbara Minerva. And uh, she's one of the villains that kind of like goes through some ritual and turns into this like Cheetah humanoid thing. And um, I think her being in the movie would look really great. I'd like them to uh, kind of like explore that, but also maybe even introduce Donna Troy, who's kind of like Diana's protege. Uh, She's a younger version of Wonder Woman, basically. I'm not sure of her origin. I hear it's very complicated and convoluted, but um, I would I would really like to to uh, see more of the Greek uh, parts of, of who Diana is. I don't necessarily want to continue seeing her in the in in the city so much. I mean, if if they do have her in the city, like introduce some of that Greek uh, myth mythos into into the stories because i think that is fascinating um we already have seen a ton of superheroes fighting aliens and fighting um you know regular people that have superpowers or robots or whatever so i think doing something that brings in her 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 heritage um you know bring in the greek gods like that would be so fascinating to watch Plus, I love me some Greek gods. <laughs> but uh, I think Patty Jenkins right now is attached to the sequel. They did announce that they were going to do it, and I think she is attached. So that's going to be pretty great, I think. Um, yeah, I would also kind of like them to explore her bisexuality. I don't know if she's bisexual or pansexual, um, but she definitely likes the women sometimes. 
And I think I would like to see them explore that a little bit. I don't want it to be like a les like a like like a like um sexualized lesbians, let's give men lesbians kind of a story. But I want because in this movie, they her and Steve Trevor, they have a romance, but it's not like in your face, like I'm doing this for you, Steve. Like you're my true love. Like it wasn't like that. It was just like, oh, there's this this person that she's getting to know and that she's falling in love with and and it feels so natural with them and I want that to happen in the next film but maybe explore something else because as of right now we don't really have a big screen um you know queer superhero at all like sure the Power Rangers kind of did it but they never outright said she was with the girl or if you know she was queer or not like it was just kind of like are you are you into girls? And then she gives a look. And that was it. Like, that's not, to me, enough. Sorry, I don't mean to push, like, any kind of political agenda or anything like this. I'm just saying what I would like to see. And, you know, I want to hear from you guys, too. So you, what would you guys like to see out of a Wonder Woman sequel? Do you agree with me? Do you completely think I'm full of shit and should shut up and I don't know what I'm talking about? Let me know. I, I do want to know. Um, but anyway, that's enough about that. Uh, that was Wonder Woman and that was Birds of Prey. The reviews and the recaps are over. Um, this week I have Whitson Gordon on, and he is the editor at Wonder How To, and, um, he's talking about Deadpool and don't worry you guys, if you don't like spoilers, uh, he does a pretty decent job at not giving any spoilers because he really does care about that stuff. So we, we, we go a little into who Deadpool is, why he's so weird and stuff like that. And kind of just like why he loves Deadpool so much, which is a great conversation. So without further ado, here is Wits and Gordon with Deadpool. Well, hopefully... <laughs> Hopefully uh, you have all the knowledge because I'm going to ask you every single question and you have to get it perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, this is the show. Hello. Welcome, Whitson. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Good. Um, thank you for being on. So uh, for everyone, this episode, we're going to be talking about Deadpool. And I've asked my good friend, Whitson Gordon, to join us to do that. Um, so just quick uh, background of what I know about Deadpool is... Uh, he is the character that breaks the fourth wall a lot. <laughs> um, he's constantly making jokes. Uh, he's a mutant question mark. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, he's basically, I think he started off as like a, a mercenary for hire and I guess is still kind of that, but I don't know. Uh, and then that's where you come in. <laughs> you get to tell us everything about him. <laughs> that is a more or less accurate summary. There are a lot of question marks in there, but that's kind of how Deadpool is. Uh -huh. um, there, there are a lot of question marks throughout the whole thing. Uh, yeah, Deadpool started as kind of a, a villain um, for the New Mutants and uh, I believe X-Force. Oh. Um, it's weird that I'm, I have read almost, if not all of the Deadpool comics out there, but I'm actually not a huge X-Men guy. Hmm. Um so he started off as kind of a, this X-Men villain and later on in the 90s got his own solo book and kind of became like a little bit less of a serious uh, uh, character that's intertwined with all these others and more like kind of this really silly uh, uh, character that, yeah, that started breaking the fourth wall and kind of doing all this other stuff um, and, and sort of became an anti-hero mm -hmm. just because, you know, when you have when all of a sudden you have a villain as the protagonist. You got to give them some sort of redeeming quality for the readers to like them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so he kind of became this anti-hero in the nineties, um, that crossed over with X-Men a lot, but kind of became his own character struggling to do good, but he's still kind of this ruthless mercenary for hire. Um, and, uh, kind of digging into Deadpool's past and how he became the way he is. Okay. Um, before now these days, he's almost like, almost a superhero kind of you know he's almost kind of legitimized he's on uh captain america's uncanny avengers team and all that stuff so yeah yeah um so if we're gonna go back to the beginning did he premiere or did he first come out as like a mutant or what is the deal with that because i'm really confused about that you know, now that I'm looking back on it, I'm not sure how they introduced him or even if they really gave that much of his backstory. But here's 
Here's the, he is a mutant question mark. That is really <laughs> the best way to put it. Um, the the kind of origin story of Deadpool, uh, which is much more complicated. That have, I assume you've seen the movie. Yes, I have. So it's a little bit more complicated than the movie. Uh, the idea being that Deadpool, uh, Wade Wilson, uh, was this kind of this this guy, uh, mercenary, whatever, who uh, contracted cancer, and then. Um, basically checked himself into this experimental weapon X program. Uh, and they gave him, they tried to basically recreate Wolverine's healing factor mm. on a dying man who was not a mutant. So, you know, he's, he's was not born a mutant, but he was kind of given this, um, like artificial version of Wolverine's healing power, which is why he's a mutant question mark. Ah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it, it, he was kind of a failed experiment, right? So the cancer kind of uh, was attacking the healing factor and vice versa. And so, um, you know, this is why he looks kind of grotesque and his, like, his skin is bubbling up. His cellular structure is constantly in flux uh, with the cancer and healing factor battling each other. Um, and as a result, his mind is also kind of gone, right? Uh-huh. Um, that cellular flux kind of also affects his brain and he's uh, a little all not there. Um, so he was kind of thrown into this reject, uh, facility. Um, gosh, now I forget what it was called cause I'm blanking out because I'm on a show. Um, <laughs> uh, and, um, was basically had experiments done on him. Like you see in the movie, just, um, constantly. And, uh, that's where he got his name that within this facility, they had a Deadpool uh, as they're betting on who's going to die first. Um, and he just never died because he has this insane healing factor. So he eventually escapes and then um, becomes a, a mercenary, and that's how he runs into the uh, New Mutants. Okay, so was he at the time hired to do anything to the New Mutants, or was he just like on a job and they were interfering? Um, I think he was hired to attack the new mutants <laughs> oh. again. I, I, I'm not, I don't quote me on that because I, while I've read his origin issue, the vast majority of my Deadpool knowledge is really with his solo stuff. Cause okay. I, I don't read a lot of X-Men. Then we'll go ahead. And, and I, he was, he, he wasn't, he wasn't a very, um, I don't think he was a really, uh, how do you say he, he wasn't in the X-Men comics like a ton. He wasn't like an ongoing villain every single issue. Right. Kind of thing. He was kind of in and out. Uh huh. Okay. All right. So, um, he gets his own series eventually. Um, what, what are we looking at at that point? Is he this anti-hero that we know now or is he? That's, well, not quite as much what we know now, but that's kind of how it, he, where he starts trying to become a guy who's like kind of trying to do good. You know, it starts off with him kind of being out for himself. Um, he's trying to figure out a way to cure himself. Um, as we often see him. Um, and he kind of goes back and confronts some of the people that were doing experiments on him in this institution, um, trying to find a cure. Uh, in issue four, he battles the Hulk in order to try and get some of the Hulk's blood, which might cure him, and that mm. issue is great. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and then eventually he kind of goes on this larger quest. He's like contacted by this uh, agency that's you know, trying to save the world from something and he ends up kind of getting wrapped up in it and starts to sort of see himself as a hero. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, or so, something approaching that. <laughs> right. So at what point does he um, start? I mean, I think I'm not sure I could be wrong about this, but I think he kind of starts working with other people right away. Is that something that happens or is he kind of like solo for a long time before he starts joining in on like teams and stuff? So, okay, well, so there's, there's kind of, you, you just said two different things a little bit. So when um, he, he was kind of working with, I mean, when he was a villain, he was kind of sort of working with uh, other villains. Um, during his solo stuff, uh, in the first, I think, first couple issues of his solo series, we're introduced to um, some supporting characters, both of which were in the movie. Uh, blind Al, his, his blind old lady roommate, uh -huh. slash prisoner. Um, <laughs> Is that and <laughs> Weasel, his his like nerdy kind of tech guy, almost Q esque um, friend. Uh, and yes, they, they didn't really go into this in the movie, but Blind Al is basically uh, Deadpool's prisoner. Why? How? 
Um, just cause. <laughs> She's ba- but he like he kind of most of the time treats her like a roommate, but she can't like leave. Oh, <laughs> that's so sad. Is she and has- I, like he does like occasionally like I don't want to say torture her, but oh. you know. He does occasionally do very mean things to her, but overall, it's it, they have a relationship very much like what's in the movie. They're just kind of like these, like slapsticky roommates. Uh-huh. She just is bound to their apartment. Um, okay. <laughs> so yeah. So this and this is like this is scratching the surface of how like weird the Deadpool comic is and how much like the movie was such a such a tip of the iceberg kind of thing because uh-huh. there's so much complicated stuff that you can't introduce all of these uh, characters and their complex relationships with Deadpool in an hour and a half. Right. So right. that's not a criticism of the movie. I'm just saying like any, anyone who's watched the movie and thinks they know Deadpool is like, Whew, you have a, you have a lot coming to you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so in the movie, they explore his relationship with Vanessa who in the comic books is copycat. Um, is that something that's in the comics? Is that kind of like his first love situation? Yes. So he has a relationship um, with Vanessa. And uh, gosh, um, I don't remember when when it was in relationship to the rest of his timeline. It's, it's, I think it's a lot earlier on. So that's kind of during a lot of the X-Men stuff. Mm-hmm. And after that, his love interest kind of shifts to Siren, um, who is an X-Men character, an mm-hmm. X-Men hero. Um, who's Banshee's and... daughter. What? Who's Banshee's daughter. Yes, question mark? Oh, <laughs> I think I she's don't Banshee's this, daughter. This is, like, I, like, like I'm saying, my entire exposure to Deadpool is, is Deadpool solo stuff. Uh-huh. So once you start getting into who other X-Men are, I'm, I start shrugging my shoulders. Okay. <laughs> because, because so many of them have such small kind of roles and they just kind of appear and then they're gone with the exception right. of like Siren or Cable. Um, you know, they, they kind of come and go. Domino to a, to a small extent. Um, so yes, Vanessa Carlisle is in there. Um, but she's, she's not, she doesn't like last as a, as a, as a love interest uh, for the rest of dead, for most of Deadpool's existence, oh. and that's what the other weird thing about Deadpool's existence is that you know he, he kind of came around in the mid '90s, had this solo series in the '90s, and then was kind of never seen again. Oh, <laughs> for until Cable and Deadpool in uh, like 2004. Oh wow, okay. So you, you have like six years or so where there just wasn't a lot of Deadpool stuff, and then they kind of brought him back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's when he started, you know, toward the end of Cable and Deadpool is when he started becoming really popular. And all of a sudden we have like 10 Deadpool titles at a time running right. um, and everyone loves him and it's enough to get a movie made. And I have no idea how that happened still. Uh, <laughs> it took quite a while. <laughs> it did. And honestly, I think it was just cause Cable and Deadpool was that good. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so how did that happen? Cable and Deadpool. Cable and Deadpool was actually written by. Um, one of the co-creators of Deadpool, oh. uh, Fabian Nicesia, Nicesia, he's a really hard name to say, <laughs> um, Nicieza, there we go. Uh, and <laughs> it's honestly, so I, I, a lot of people will tell you that um, Deadpool's original solo series written by Joe Kelly is the best Deadpool run ever. And I would say it's the second best. I think Cable and Deadpool is the best Deadpool comic of all time, hands down, nothing that good has been done since. Um, I, I, and I couldn't tell you whether it was just the amazing writing or whether having him bounce off this super serious character like mm-hmm. Cable um, just uh, gives him more more comedy to to you know more to play with. I don't know, but the the plot is essentially that I don't want to ruin it, but the. Um, that Cable and Deadpool are basically stuck together. Uh, every they both have the ability to teleport, and they basically buy stuff that I'm not going to say. It's uh, <laughs> stuck every time one of them teleports somewhere, the other appears with them. Oh, okay. So uh, no matter, and you know, there's this kind of this subplot of Cable trying to build this utopia and show humanity, 
um, um, you know, what, what it can really be. But of course, every time he teleports somewhere, Deadpool shows up and is like mucking around with things <laughs> and just like comedic hijinks ensue. Yeah. Um, and that, and that just, that's, it's, it, it's the best plot device I've ever heard for starting off a team up comic that makes no sense. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause that is really, really weird for them two to be together. I mean, the, the exposure that I have really to Deadpool is in the uncanny Avengers run, which is, you know, like full of, uh, serious ish people. Like you have, uh, what is his name? Um, human torch and rogue who aren't like 100% serious, but for the most part, they're not cracking jokes every single minute right. and so like having captain america right and having I mean, the whole thing started from something really serious right that was from the fallout of avengers versus x-men where you know uh uh the x-men were were kind of criticizing the avengers and these other heroes for for not paying attention to them and and not you know helping them deal with these massive problems like the phoenix force and mm. captain america was like all right i'm sorry we're gonna build this like kind of strike force team to bring mutants and the and the rest of these heroes together and we're gonna I'm making a pledge to you now that we're gonna help you with all this stuff. And so it kind of did start off as a really serious thing, which is why when Deadpool was introduced later on as as one of the new members of the team, I was kinda like, what? <laughs> but I haven't read a lot of it. Um it's good. I I like it. Um they've done some interesting stuff. Uh like recently um they had Civil War Two and so some of the stuff I read that, I read that recently. Yeah I that that was for me iffy but um yeah what like yeah yeah, what came out of it like they had the whole storyline where the hand like got a hold of the hulk's body and like basically turned him into this huge monster zombie thing and was like trying to sounds cool yeah and so that that was a really cool run and then you had the red skull with uh xavier's brain and so that was pretty interesting um i've really enjoyed it so far uh but going back to deadpool a little earlier on he is Oh, we already know he's a crazy character. Like he's just does so many crazy things. One of the things that I've heard uh, and I guess seen is that he at one point has a relationship with death. Yeah. Yeah. So he, well, kind of like Thanos, right? He kind of becomes obsessed with death, um, which in Deadpool's case makes sense because it kind of has this terrible life. Um but but death in this case is not just you know dying, but the kind of the the spiritual embodiment of death, mm-hmm. the the Grim Reaper, which in Marvel Comics is kind of portrayed as this like sexy skeleton lady, <laughs> um, not not in like a not in like an actually sexy way, but in like a way that um, is kind of uh, an artistic um, showing of how guys like Deadpool and Thanos can just become obsessed with death. Uh And so I wouldn't say he has like an ongoing relationship, but he does have this kind of like a lot of what drives him is this, is this like longing for death, Mm. Um, death with a capital D. (laughs) Right. Um, But she's not, you know, it's not quite the same as his like love interest with Siren or his marriage to uh, like the queen of the underworld. Oh, (laughs) That he's currently married to. Oh, I did not know about that. But oh, man. What ha- that was like, it's, it, she kind of just like comes and goes. Her name is uh, Sheikla, Queen of the Undead. Sorry. So, and that kind of came out a couple years ago. He, it just kind of, I felt like it came out of nowhere uh, where he got married to this like Queen of the Undead. And she's not, all, she's not in like every issue. She just kind of like is there sometimes. Um, it's kind of a weird like subplot. Uh huh. Did <laughs> um, she? Did the, were they like just married one day, or did there was there yeah, something it, that it, led it up came to out it? Like absolutely nowhere. Wow. Okay. Like all of a sudden it was like like Deadpool's wedding issue, and you're like, what? And it's like, oh, introducing <laughs> this character, Sheila, Queen of the Undead. And so it's it's it's. I mean, it's kind of a source of humor more than anything, where they kind of have these like silly lovers spats, but like lovers spats between Deadpool and the Queen of the Undead is as you would imagine, very silly. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she'll be like, you know, she's, and she's wants to go up and like conquer the world or whatever. Mm. Um, and so it's just kind of, just another like source of jokes in the right. Deadpool books. I mean, do they explain any like reason for it? Like, is there anything he's gaining out of it or anything? Or is it just like, that's Love, what happened? Sex. Love and sex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, 
where okay so where is he now like i know that he has all this money and they've kind of like alluded to um him getting it because of like the movies and everything he's become like all popular <laughs> and so they like just like put it in there um are you reading any of his solo stuff or i guess his partner stuff i'm yes yeah, so he has a solo title right now with just much like the solo titles he's had for the past you know almost 10 years or whatever um, and I honestly, I don't think any of his solo stuff from the past 10 years has held a candle to his original solo series or cable and Deadpool. Um, it's enjoyable, but I don't know, for some reason, I just kind of find it ho-hum. Although I think a lot of people have been enjoying it. Um, mm. his solo series. Yeah. That's kind of, he's kind of like, he had this like little mercenary operation going on and he's on the uncanny Avengers. And so he's kind of trying to, to be this actual hero. Right, uh-huh. um, or what do they cut? Uncanny Avengers now called the Avengers Unity Squad. Yeah, um, something like that. <laughs> yeah, he has a, a daughter who oh. is in the care of someone else, um, and so that's kind of like offering some plot lines and stuff like that. Um, and they've also been doing a kind. Of, honestly, the the Deadpool issues I've enjoyed the most recently is every few issues they they jump into the future into 2099. And we see Wade Wilson still alive and, and um, someone else has taken up his mantle. Oh. And so it's kind of this weird story arc that you only get one issue every few months. Um, and that's been kind of fun. Is that in his Deadpool and the Mercenaries for Hire? That's, that's, yeah, that's just the regular Deadpool series. Okay. Just called Deadpool. Um, My favorite Deadpool series right now, though, is the Deadpool Spider-Man. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Not like... just because I love Spider-Man, <laughs> but because I, I part of it probably is that it's written by Joe Kelly, the guy who wrote the original uh, Deadpool ongoing series that everyone thinks is the best Deadpool. Uh-huh. Um, but it's just funny. It's like it starts off as like Deadpool's like trying to, you know, he's trying to be a hero. So he kind of like ambushes Spider-Man and is like, hey, help, like teach me to be a hero. But then he also gets this contract to kill Peter Parker, oh. not realizing that they're the same person. And that's the current run? Yeah, that's hap- Yeah. That's, oh, interesting. Unless, unless they ended it and restarted it or something. You know, I'm always a little bit behind. But um, yeah, that's the Spider-Man Deadpool from, you know, 2000, starting in 2016 or 2017. Yeah, and so the internet is filled with Spider-Man Deadpool memes where he, like, has this <laughs> yeah. infatuation or love for Spider-Man. Like, it, did what? what is that all about? Like, did that start right away, or what? There's, a, there, there's an issue pretty early on in the—I think it's pretty early on— in the Deadpool ongoing series from the 90s in which Deadpool goes back in time um, and is stuck— it, it's kind of like a spoofing the Spider-Man origin story. So he goes back in time and is um, to the time where Peter Parker becomes Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And he ends up like interfering with the time stream and trying to like keep things go the way they're supposed to go. And it was very funny. And so I think, I think part of that, like trying to be a hero is looking up to what, you know, in the Marvel universe, a lot of us see as like kind of the quintessential Marvel superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they obviously there are some similarities between the two in terms of their like like comedic uh, nature and obviously like their costumes to a certain extent too. Yeah. And so I think a lot of it, is, you know, is too is just writers knowing that Deadpool and Spider Man is a winning combination. Uh huh. There was also a De- Deadpool Spider Man crossover issue in Cable and Deadpool, and that was also fantastic. Ah. Huh. Okay, so what uh, what do we know as far as his, like, he's this open character, like, sex-wise, I guess, and he, like, kind of is, like, pansexual, I guess, and is, <laughs> yeah. is that why people kind of, like, create these memes of Spider-Man, or is is he not into Spider-Man that way? Like, I don't, I guess, <laughs> like, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's ever really been, uh, 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 you know, a serious statement in the comic that he's actually infatuated with Spider-Man that way. I think he's just kind of a goofball. Okay. And that he makes, you know, homoerotic jokes like that uh-huh. <laughs> because that's what he does. Um, you know, it's it, it, his, it, his sexual orientation is not something that they've gone like super deeply into. Um, but the writers have talked about it saying mm-hmm. that he's pansexual or that he's, he is whatever he is in that moment. Um, just because he's kind of all over the place and you know, he's like one of those people. Mm. 
Right. It's, it's whatever, whatever he fancies in any given moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's obvious dynamic difference between a Deadpool and Cable and a Deadpool and Spider-Man. Do you think one works better than the other? Oh, that's tough. I, I really love them both. And it is a, you're right. It's a very different dynamic because Cable is super serious and Spider-Man is also super serious when in, in contrast to Deadpool, but he's also a, a much more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Like Cable is legit super serious, like super, like Captain America serious. Okay. Um, whereas Spider-Man is more like, no, Deadpool, you can't do that. You can't just kill people. But he's also like, you know, um, you know, if, if, if they find themselves in a situation where they're on the same side, they'll both kind of be cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in both cases, it works really well. It's just a different way for Deadpool to bounce off someone. But I think that's, I think that's what's important. I think Deadpool is generally best when he's bouncing off another character mm-hmm. because he's so unbelievably silly and so kind of out there. Um, so and like, you know, and part of that's great. Part of that's kind of, you know, he's poking fun at, at the comic book genre in a lot of ways, but sometimes it just gets so excessively silly that it's nice to have him be in a more kind of grounded situation, like Spider-Man trying to teach him how to be a hero or, or cable trying to save the world. Um, and Deadpool kind of just being caught in the middle. I think that makes for a better Deadpool than him on his own. Yeah, I've always kind of felt that too, because I mean, like I said, my only exposure to him really is the Uncanny Avengers. And I love him in that series because he only comes in once in a while with his one-liners or like, you know, just like being completely serious. I mean, sorry, silly. And like, I've considered picking up his solo series, but I'm like, do I want to see that all the time? <laughs> <laughs> right. It can get a little exhausting after a while for just, just one liner after one liner after one liner. <laughs> and there are people who have done it well. I just think that uh, the people, there are only a few people who have done it really, really well. Uh-huh. Um, even, you know, Deadpool has had so many solo series in the past few years, but none of them have been as good as the original Deadpool series or Cable and Deadpool, mm-hmm. in my opinion, or the new Deadpool Spider-Man, which I think is probably the best Deadpool since Cable and Deadpool. Okay. Um, so going back to the whole Spider-Man dynamic, um, when Deadpool first joined the Unity Squad, Spider-Man quit right away. He was like, I'm not going to be on a team with this guy. And he leaves the team. So what what brought on the the series for them to be partnered together with their Deadpool Spider-Man? Like, why why was that okay? Well, so, and you're talking about back when the, was this was when the Unity Squad was first founded, or was this, like, kind of the second volume of... Uh, it's the second volume. So this okay. is, like, the, the current, the one coming out of uh, Secret Wars. Okay, yeah. So, I, you know, I think, I think part of it is that, um, you know, I guess... Are you? I guess are you asking with within the lore of the Marvel universe, or like in the real world, where the writers were like a Deadpool Spider-Man comic would be a goldmine. <laughs> let's make one. I mean, um, obviously, that's, but that's the real reason. <laughs> but and I it, mean, like, it's fantastic. So I'm not blaming them. Yeah, um, but I mean, in in the Marvel universe, like Spider-Man I was so opposed it, to that. But what? Right. What, what is? I, I kind of see it more as Deadpool showing a willingness to try and be a hero and be more like Spider-Man. And, and Spider-Man is absolutely resistant to it in the story, right? For the first couple of issues, it doesn't just start off like, all right, we're a team now. It starts off as like they run into each other and he's like, hey, Spidey, help me out. And Spidey's like, I don't want to be a part of this. And then in the next issue, he comes up to Spidey again. And he's like, hey, Spidey, help me out. And Spidey's like, I don't want to be a part of this. And that like goes on for a little while okay. until there's kind of this larger story um, that, that that brings them both in. Uh-huh. But you know, I, I think that it's kind of just like a, uh, an exasperated fine. I'll help you just this once, um, because you seem like you're really trying kind of thing. Uh, and it just kind of escalates from there. Yeah. Um, which maybe they didn't, you know, really get into enough in the unity squad. Uh, so, but I, but the, the big, the big thing that I think they bought heads on is that Deadpool at his core is still kind of a killer and Spider-Man, one of the kind of the big, 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 uh, uh, key facets of Spider-Man is that he does not kill mm-hmm. ever. Um, so that's kind of the main main thing they're kind of butting heads over all the time. 
So I, I'm a little confused. Was there are there two separate um, runs of Spider-Man and Deadpool? Like, was there an earlier version and then they rebooted it recently? I don't believe so. But it's but they, honestly, Marvel is rebooting things so many times now um, that it's possible they just rebooted it and I just haven't caught up yet. Um, I'm the Spider-Man Deadpool I'm looking at is 2016 and it's okay. still ongoing. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. is that should be the only one. Okay, so. What okay, so Deadpool wants to be this person who is killing less, I guess. So, <laughs> or at least killing the right people, maybe. Oh, okay, so what makes he goes me... back and forth a lot? Oh, okay, so is Peter Parker one of the right people, quote unquote? I think, I think someone, I don't, you know, I don't want to give away too much of the story, but someone basically tricked him into thinking that Peter Parker, who you keep in mind at the time is like kind of this, um, this Tony Stark or, or, uh, kind of figure, you know, he's running this like multinational tech corporation and all this stuff. So someone kind of tricks Deadpool into thinking that Peter Parker is this evil, uh, evil corporate guy <laughs> that needs offing. <laughs> okay, so th- there's something that happened recently. Uh, ev- I don't know if everyone knows, but um, Marvel's doing a secret empire where Captain America is basically uh, Hydra the head of Hydra? I don't know. But anyway, he's Hydra now. And so I know nothing about that. I have not read any of this yet. Okay. So something happened in um, the most recent uh, issue of the Uncanny Avengers where Captain America, and this isn't really like too much of a spoiler, but uh, Captain America is like, hey, Deadpool, we need to talk. Like, I have a job for you. Some shit's going down get in the car and Deadpool's like, okay. And he just like hops in with him. And then I think that he's probably not going to be on the team for a little bit. Maybe he will. I don't know. But anyway, he hops in the car and they just like drive off. And it seems like he, with this whole Peter Parker situation was tricked into believing that Peter Parker is like this evil guy. Is he kind of like a gullible character? Like, does he just like go with it? Yeah, mostly. I mean, (laughs) he, yeah. I mean, he's just, again, he's, he's not really all there. Uh So, you know, he's not, again, I, I don't, I don't mean to like kind of keep bringing up the movie, but this is most people's exposure to Deadpool is like, he's not this kind of super like silly, but serious character like in the movie. Like, nope, he's just insane. Uh-huh. And he's just, he's just like, he'll kind of go along with anything, especially if it involves killing someone. He's like, <laughs> all right, that's my jam. Right. Um, and, and he's, he's given a little bit more room to develop in some of his solo series, but you know, especially things like, Spider-Man, Deadpool, like a lot of times they're just there to, for, for, you know, Deadpool craziness, um, Mm. and not necessarily, uh, uh, Deadpool character development, if that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Um, does he ever get to interact with like any of Peter's, uh, like Mary Jane or Aunt May, I don't, is Aunt May still around? (laughs) (laughs) I think so, yeah. But so, like, does he ever get to interact with any In fact, any the of them? one that I was talking about earlier, where he goes back in time, uh huh. It, it he has to he like accidentally knocks Aunt May out and has to like <laughs> pretend to be her and stuff, wait, wait, or wait. like has to. There's, it's so great, and the way he interacts with other people in Peter Parker's life in that issue is just hilarious. Um, <laughs> so yes, there is a little bit of that. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Okay, so he pretends to be Aunt May. It's. As far as I remember, yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but as far as the current run, like he isn't bumping into anyone in Peter's life where Peter has to like worry about it. Um, probably a little. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're you're, you're I'm being not, very. I, I'm. I, I haven't gotten all the way okay. through uh, the series yet, up up to the modern point. Uh-huh. So I don't want to say anything does or doesn't happen. Okay. Um. Oh no. This, <laughs> sorry. He's out pretending to be Spider Man, and Blind Al is pretending to be Aunt May. Oh my God. well that's just perfect so blind al goes back in time with him yes nice okay uh so it sounds like whenever he's like teaming up he's always the one kind of like trying to tag along and like be in the situation where everyone's like leave me alone yes and there's a constant running a constant running joke that's kind of the opposite of the movie where he's always trying to trying to like team up with the x-men uh-huh Cause he always wants to be like, Hey, I'm an X-Man. And they're all like, you're not an X-Man. You're not even a mutant. Um, <laughs> and, and so whenever he does get to kind of team up with them, he kind of goes all like fanboy crazy and gets all excited about it. Or like, and like tries to wear an X-Men uniform, <laughs> but he ends up wearing like, you know, like rogues X-Men uniform oh, with like the yellow speedo. Uh-huh. 
Oh, it's, that's great. It's it's always funny. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Oh, and there are other. You know, the, he he interacts with other characters in the Marvel universe too in kind of different, you know, he fights the Hulk or he ends up, there's an issue where he is somehow able to pick up Thor's hammer and becomes oh. Thor pool. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, that's a fun one. Um, there's, uh, there's all, there's all kinds of fun. Uh, there's, I mean, there's even a Deadpool team up series where he teams up with all these like D listers from past Marvel, uh, uh, series. Nice. Um, and uh, and at the end of Cable and Deadpool, there's a lot of him teaming up with other people too. Okay, uh, does he partner ever with Squirrel Girl? Because I know she's kind of like one of those fourth wally type of people. Not that I've seen, but Squirrel Girl's popularity, from what I understand, is fairly new. Mm, yeah. So I I can't imagine that they. It's possible they've done it. And I haven't seen it yet, and it's been very recent. But uh-huh. I can't imagine that they're not going to try and tackle that at some point soon. Yeah, I think because I, <laughs> they're they're. Ma- I know that they're making a TV show, something like that, with Squirrel Girl in it. I haven't I haven't kept up with the a lot of the TV show stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mostly because I was I I this is. Uh, I'm constantly like talking to people about this. I don't, I don't really like agents of shield. Not many people do. Everyone I've talked to though, that likes it. I've talked, I feel like I've talked to a lot of comic fans that do like it and I don't understand why. And they don't, you know, I'll ask them, I'll be like, Oh yeah, I watched to the end of the second season, but like, when does it get good again? And they're like, that is when it gets good again. What are you talking about? (laughs) And so I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm just not into the show. So I stopped watching it then. I never saw the stuff with Ghost Rider. I never like got uh, that deep into all the Inhuman stuff, partially because uh-huh. I just don't really find the Inhumans that interesting. I feel like they really want to do something with them. And I know people kind of complain saying that, you know, Marvel is trying to replace mutants with Inhumans. And I never really well, felt they, that. I I see, I can sort of see that, but I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, everyone's saying that, but I don't know how much evidence there really is for that, especially because there's not that much interaction between the mutants, you know, kind of like we were talking about. There's not that much interaction between the X-Men and the rest of the Marvel universe. They're kind of like their own little mini universe. Yeah. They kind of keep to themselves for the most part, unless there's some big crossover that involves everyone. But, you know, that's why after Avengers vs. X-Men, they kind of had this X-Men Avengers team up ongoing series. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and that's one of the reasons I never really followed X Men is because it's so easy not to. Yeah, if all you're interested in is Avengers, Spider Man, all these other heroes. The X Men don't really cross paths with them that often, yeah. especially since they moved to San Francisco. Oh no, they moved back to New York. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, they're in Central Park right now. <laughs> they put the entire mansion right smack wow, in the that's, middle. Wow, yeah, that's even closer than they were before. Before <laughs> they were in New York, but they were in like Westchester. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. There's. Uh, I finished up uh, issue two of like their X Men Gold, and they were, I guess are like being. I don't know if they're being fined or they're being charged rent, but it's like thousands and thousands <laughs> and thousands of dollars of rent that they have to pay for like being in Central Park, which is really funny. Um, what it sounds like. There's a lot of really good runs, but is there a run that you would definitely tell people this is the one you have to read if you really want to get into Deadpool? Okay, this is I, you're not going to like this because I basically have like three answers. That's fine, <laughs> but I think I think if you want to get into Deadpool, the only place to start and the place that most people would tell you is the best anyway um, would be with the classic uh, Deadpool stuff in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, primarily Joe Kelly's run on the solo Deadpool series. But I actually think he had two limited series before that, uh, kind of spinning out of New Mutants and X-Force, um, to, I, probably to test the waters and see if people were interested in seeing Deadpool solo. And they're not quite as, as silly and ridiculous, but I think they give a little bit of backstory to Deadpool that, that kind of um, helps prop up everything that comes later. So... Uh, the first solo series was called Deadpool of the Circle Chase. And the other one was just a four issue series called Deadpool that I think now is also referred to as uh, Sins of the Past. Okay. So those two solo series, which you can pick up in the, uh, the Merc with a Mouth, sorry, Deadpool Classic Volume 1 uh, trade paperback, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm a big trade paperback guy, so that's how I, that's how I read most stuff. 
Um, yeah, well, you get it all then, in there. <laughs> what? You get them all in there in the in one place. Yeah, I don't like read because then you read an issue and then a month later you forget what happened in that issue and it's I don't like following stories that way. I want to read the whole thing once an entire arc is done. Uh-huh. Um, which is why I'm always a little bit behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, so that that contains those two uh, those two limited series along with Deadpool's first appearance in New Mutants '98, and then the entire Joe Kelly run on the first Deadpool ongoing series, which I think you can get as just uh, in a hard, big hardcover omnibus that's just called Deadpool, hmm. the Deadpool omnibus. You can get that on Amazon, um, and that is what most people would probably say is the quintessential best Deadpool run ever. Um, and that's kind of the beginning of his solo stuff. So w- without a doubt, I would say that's the best place to start. Okay. okay. But I would, my personal favorite Deadpool is Cable and Deadpool. So once you read that, you got to read Cable and Deadpool 1 through 50. It is, in my opinion, the funniest Deadpool that has ever been. And still nothing still has come close. And then if you want something more recent, the Deadpool Spider-Man is absolutely worth picking up. Yeah, I I do have a bit more interest in that one, but I'll I'll follow your instructions. <laughs> I I would. They're and they're they're very different because the, especially the Deadpool ongoing, um, and to a certain extent, Cable and Deadpool is is a little bit less um, ridiculous. Like there's still a lot of silly Deadpool stuff, but there are these kind of longer overarching stories that I think are more engaging than a lot of the stories in the newer stuff. I think with the newer stuff, they kind of went a little overboard with the silly. Mm. Um, or or the or the stories just weren't that engaging. But the the original Deadpool solo series is funny, but also really interesting and really gives you a lot of fun backstory and a lot of fun, really interesting character development uh, into Deadpool's character. So, oh, cool. So then the last question I want to ask you is basically why Deadpool? Why is he so appealing to you? Um, so I, I, I guess I never mentioned this. I, the way I found Deadpool was totally random and kind of by accident. Um, I read back when I read comic books in high school, uh, when Marvel started doing all of these crossovers, um, I would get, I was, I was really dumb and just wasting my money and I would just get all of the issues, all of the tie-in issues for every single crossover. Oh, wow. Um, which was terrible because a lot of those (laughs) tie-ins are really bad. And if you don't know who, like, all the X-Men tie-ins, I'm like, I don't know who these characters are. I don't really care. Uh, so it was really dumb. But <laughs> there was one tie-in issue for the House of M crossover that was the one Cable and Deadpool issue was a tie-in. And it had me laughing so hard that I was like, okay, I have no idea who this is. I don't know what's going on. But this is so funny. I need to start reading this book. So I went back, got issues 1 through 17 or whatever it was, and then kept reading it all the way to the end. Nice. And I've been a Deadpool fan ever since. <laughs> um, so uh, I don't remember what the question was. Well, it's, ba- it's basically <laughs> oh, the question wh- was why, why Deadpool. Deadpool? <laughs> so that was so honestly, why Deadpool is just because that issue just made me laugh so much because the rest of that series made me laugh so much that I was that, you know, I, I loved it. But I think what makes Deadpool so appealing, despite being kind of a despicable character in a lot of ways, is that not only is it funny, but it kind of is funny in a way that pokes fun at the rest of the the kind of com- superhero comic book genre, right? Uh-huh. Um, like sometimes comic books can take themselves so seriously, mm. even when they're being kind of dumb, you know, even yeah. when they kind of have these like really silly seeming plots from an objective point of view, they take themselves so seriously and Deadpool almost never does. Um, you know, he's he's breaking the fourth wall. He's you know, uh, uh, interacting with other comic book characters in ways that you never see them. Like he's friends with Bullseye and Bullseye is kind of like this silly guy that tags along. Um, so it's just, it, it, it's different than most of the other, um, comics out there in, in the Marvel universe. And so it's fun to just have that kind of palate cleanser once in a while, especially when some of the other, when there's some big crossover going on that, that you don't like, or when, you know, Captain America is a Hydra agent and you're really pissed off. (laughs) Um, um, Deadpool doesn't disappoint that much. That's good. It's a bit of a refresher. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, cool. Thank you so much for doing the show. Is there no problem? Thanks for having me on. Is there anything you want to plug? Where can people find you and stuff? Yeah, I, uh, I'm the editor in chief of how to geek, how to geek.com. So if you ever need anything, 
related to technology, come check us out. But you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Whitson Gordon. That's awesome. where I am. Cool. Thank you so much for doing the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. And that was Whitson Gordon. He is a sweet, fun guy. Little fun fact. He taught me how to play Dungeons and Dragons. I've now done it a total of one time. And I wouldn't mind doing it again. Anyway, so yeah, what did we learn about Deadpool? He is a weirdo crazy head. <laughs> Maybe he works better when he plays with others. Um, yeah, so I've already picked up the circle, which is the the run that Whitson was talking about. And so far it's confusing, <laughs> but I think that's the nature of what that that you like generation of comics was. Uh the art is really wild and the story feels very jumpy. That's Rocco in the background squeaking at a toy. It'll be over very soon. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to continue reading it. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, that's the show. That's all I have for you guys. I hope you guys uh, liked it. I thought it was fun. Um, now down to the business, uh, the stuff that we do typically here, which is website is interviewacomicnerd.com. Remember, you guys can go into the, each episode and make little comments here and there. If there's any continuity issue that you think that we did not uh, cover very well, you can go in there and be like, hey, idiot, pay attention. This is how it really went. Um, you could also go on the Twitter. That's interview, uh, interview a nerd. We're at interview a nerd. Uh, follow us there. Uh, I am posting you know, photos of comics that I'm reading and I write little comments of like, Hey, what's this all about? And then it's a picture of like, I don't know, a Deadpool farting on a cat or something. I don't know that. I don't think that's ever happened. Maybe it has, who knows? But anyway, uh, yeah. So that's the Twitter. That's the website. Hey kids, do me a favor, go on iTunes and, um, give me a little rating on there. If you're liking the show, you know, show some support and go on there and be like, Hey, this show is something I like. I'll, I'll take that comment. I don't mind it. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's it. That's it till next time. Uh, wait, there is actually a bonus episode coming up this Friday, and that's with Whitson. It's a little bit of an interview. It's the same thing that we did back with, who was it? Will. We did it with Will. And then, um, yeah, so I'm bringing that back. You'll have a bonus episode this Friday. Don't miss it. Um, yeah, so that's it. All right. That's it. Go. You're free. I'm letting you go now. You can you can stop listening. All right, my little pupas, I will see you next time. Remember, stay lovely, be kind to one another, and have a great week. <laughs>